Hello and welcome to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post's political podcast. I'm Rob Parsons, the Yorkshire Post political editor, and we've got a great episode for you today. If you want to know more about how the current state of party politics in this country is playing out on the ground in our region. Our guest today is Emily Barley, who is the leader of the Conservative group on Rotherham Council, who's going to be talking about the spectacular result they've achieved in going from zero councillors to 20 at this month's local elections. She'll tell us a bit about winning her own seat by just one vote, growing up as a Conservative in a South Yorkshire ex-mining community, and whether the government mantra of levelling up resonates on the doorstep. But before we get into that, I thought we could hear a bit about one of the other big stories developing out of the local elections we've just had, which is the upcoming by-election in the West Yorkshire seat of Batley and Spen. So the previous MP, Tracy Braben, as we all know, stepped down after becoming Metro Mayor and triggered a by-election, which is expected later this summer and is already being framed as another test of Keir Starmer's leadership of Labour. I dare say you will be seeing all kinds of colour pieces and vox pops from Westminster's finest journalists in the coming weeks as they dispatch reporters from London to the old constituency of Joe Cox. But let's hear about it from someone who knows the area pretty well. John Blow, one of the Yorkshire Post's features writers, who's covered the patch uh, for weekly titles earlier in his career. Uh, John's been in the constituency in the last few days, and you can read his piece in the Yorkshire Post in print and online. So, uh, John, welcome to the podcast. How are things? Thanks very much. Yeah, they're not too bad, thank you. It's uh, it's nice to be on my uh, eagerly awaited podcast debut. Um, I've, uh, I've turned down all the big wigs and waited for, for you, Rob. It, so, is, uh, it is good to have you. Thank you very much. <laughs> quite right too, quite right too. Laura, Laura Kingsburg can wait her place in line to, uh, to interview you. Um, so, yeah, so let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the beginning with Batley and Spen. Um, what can you tell us about the kind of area that it is for listeners who don't know it? Um, well... The thing is, it's quite a varied constituency. Um, I was talking to Baroness Kath Pinnock the other day, and she, I think she referred to it as a constituency of two halves, essentially. Um, For locals, there's no kind of, or they don't consider it to have any sort of emotional affiliation with each other, if you know what I mean, between Batley and Spen. Um, Although they're geographically kind of next to each other, obviously. Um, the issues at play are quite sort of different. And I think the idea that this might be a sort of red wall seat is a bit of a, is a bit of a kind of, um, a bit of a red herring, really. Um, ever since, it, basically, it goes back to 1983 when the, uh, the kind of constituency boundaries changed and the first, um, uh, the first MP elected at that point was a Conservative. It was Elizabeth Peacock, and that didn't change hands till sort of 97 when Mike Wood took the seat. So although it's it's been in Labour hands for a long time, it's I don't think it's kind of, it's not the next Hart- Hartlepool, um, if you know what I mean. Um, so uh, it, uh, I think, like I say, there's it's... There's no kind of emotional connection between the constituents there, between Batley and Spen. And on a practical level, it's difficult enough actually just getting a bus between the two. When I was in Batley the other day, um, uh, I was in the town centre trying to speak to people. And then I thought I'd go over to Clack Eaton in the afternoon to to kind of cover the, the Spen half of the half of the patch. And it, you couldn't really get a bus. Um, it's, it's very 
So it's a very sort of odd constituency, really. It's it's almost a bit of a patchwork constituency. Yeah, I suppose there's a few like that, aren't there, where uh, different parts of the country that don't necessarily have a huge amount in common with each other are kind of welded together for uh, electoral purposes. Um, so I'm, I'm sure listeners will have uh, seen the news about Kim Ledbetter, the sister of Joe Cox, putting herself forward to stand in the race. What kind of impact do you think that will have on the sort of the general dynamic and the sort of tone of the of the election? Yeah, I, I expect it to kind of temper what could have been a very sort of uh, tense campaign on all sides, really. Um, since obviously her, her sister died in the tragic way that she did through her efforts in the community, it's been all about sort of um, repairing divisions and trying to get people to speak to each other much more um much more politely um uh, uh, much more sort of constructively i suppose and so i think given you know when you think about hartlepool recently there was a lot of kind of crowing and a lot of sort of peacocking and stuff like that and i don't think i think with her kind of um her presence in the campaign would kind of perhaps alleviate like that it might seem a bit taste distasteful for other other parties if she was to be picked by labor to be kind of uh, you know being extremely aggressive and 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 kind of uh, presenting a sort of a, a kind of a nasty front if you know what i mean um so i think she'll have that kind of tempering sort of um uh I think I think she'll temper the the campaign basically, and it looks like the the candidate is going to be chosen for Labour this weekend as well. I was reading that too, and it's um it's interesting. In my former uh, role as crime correspondent, I interviewed Kim uh, in early 2017, I think. So it was one of the first interviews she did after uh, her sister died, and she said that at the time, in you know the weeks after Joe's murder, she was. Uh, it was suggested to her by various eminent politicians that she should consider standing um, as 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 uh, Joe's replacement. And you know, she I think in her vulnerable state she did consider it uh, briefly and before deciding against it. But I think her main uh, reason why she didn't want to do it is that she she's not a, a sort of politician by by nature. I think we've we've seen that she's only just recently joined the Labour Party, so she can be the party's uh, candidate. And she doesn't, so she's sort of not uh, party political uh, in, in that way. So I guess, I mean, that will be part of her appeal, I suppose, to the electorate who might be a bit sick of party politics. Um, it's, I mean, we're, we're reading, aren't we, that uh, Labour and the Conservatives are probably going to be picking their candidates quite soon. And it'll be interesting to see if they go down the road that, the Conservatives did quite successfully, uh, obviously because they won in Hartlepool by picking someone from outside the area. What's your, what's your view on that? Do you think that's likely? What 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 would be the reaction of people locally if that were to happen? Yeah, my instincts tell me that they just wouldn't be very successful um, with parachuting someone in. Um, I think it's constituencies had after this election it will have had five parliamentary elections in six years and so i think people locally will be very sensitive to political games being played and um opportunism so i fully expect 
whoever whoever becomes the MP to be from the local area, at least kind of West Yorkshire. Um, I, I could be totally wrong, but I, I can't see an outside parachute candidate doing, you know, doing the business really. No, I think I think you're right there. And um, one one local candidate who is quite a big factor potentially, uh, Paul Halloran, who uh, was the candidate for the Heavy Woolen District Independence in the 2019 general election, and he he polled very successfully. He got more than six thousand votes, which obviously was almost double Tracy Rabin's majority at the time. Uh, what can you tell us about whether he might be standing again, and you know what 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 the factors might be there? Yeah, well, he, he's an interesting addition, really. Like you say, he came third in 2019. Um, he's, he's born and raised in the local area. Um, apparently, he used to play for what's now Batley Bulldogs as well. So he's kind of he's very well known. Um, he previously stood, as he said, with the heavy woolen uh, independence. And this time around, he's kind of said, said he's, he's speaking to a number of different parties, but no decisions have been made yet. Um, there has been a petition locally to kind of make him the Conservative candidate, actually, but he's, he's stressed that that's, you know, he didn't start that himself and it's not something he's administered or anything like that. Um, but uh, in terms of his vote share in 2019, you know, you could look at it and say, that it had a decisive impact because he got kind of nearly double um, what Tracy Brayman's majority was. And so the, I suppose the easy analysis would be to say that he split the Conservative vote share, but he doesn't think um, he doesn't think that's the case because uh, he was saying that most of the people he spoke to in 2019, it was disenfranchised Labour voters and it was people who don't usually vote um, at all. And... Uh, because they didn't think that politics was for them. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he does and who picks him this time, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one thing I was quite interested in was the the extent to which the, the planning reforms proposed by the government, which have prompted quite a lot of outrage amongst Conservatives in the in in the leafy southeast of England, is also potentially an issue here. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, I suppose this comes back to how the parts of the constituency are slightly different from each other, whereas kind of Batley's, Batley, for example, it has kind of pockets of social deprivation um, and it's uh, it, over in kind of span, it, you know, similarly it has those kind of areas, but less so and a lot of it's more rural. Over the years, there's been kind of several sort of campaigns to save green space and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a lot of green space, there's big interest in, heritage of uh, of the Spen Valley. So I think uh, the idea that kind of there's going to be less oversight over planning and, you know, there's going to be relaxed planning rules is going to be a, a big issue for them. Uh, again, I was speaking to Kath Pinnock, and of course she's a Liberal Democrat, so she's not going to be promoting the Conservatives at all. But she was saying that people locally, uh, uh, you know, will resent uh, Conservatives' uh, you know, back in back in their own policies over local people, essentially. Yeah, very interesting. Um, John, that is great stuff. Thank you very much for that. Um, you can read John's full account of what's happening in Batley and Spen in the paper and at our website, yorkshirepost.co.uk. And now let's have a listen to this week's guest. 
Now, it was billed as Super Thursday and there were plenty of big results in the local elections earlier this month. We have a Tory MP in Hartlepool for the first time in decades. West Yorkshire has a Metro Mayor, the first woman to hold the post, no less. And Labour no longer runs Sheffield Council after losing seats to the Lib Dems and the Greens. It may not have attracted quite as much attention, but in Rotherham, there was a pretty seismic shift in local politics as the Conservatives went from zero councillors to 20 in the course of one dramatic local election weekend. It all means the ruling Labour group now has a majority of just two and will face a concerted opposition from the best part of two dozen Tory councillors. One of those looking to make an impact is our guest today, Emily Barley, who is the Deputy Chairman of the Rotherham Conservatives and the new councillor for Hubert Ward in Rotherham after winning her seat by just one vote following two recounts. So Emily, it's nice to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? Oh, thank you. I'm I'm pretty good, thanks. Just about recovering from uh, all of the campaigning and the counting and and all the rest of it. But yeah, we're, we're very happy over here in Rotherham. I can imagine. Yeah, it's a long old slog, isn't it, election season? And then you've got the the, the count the, the count as well. I mean, just on your own election election win, it sounded like it was particularly dramatic. So you you you, you were ahead of the, the your Labour rival by just one vote, and there were two recounts, if I've got it right. I imagine that was a a bit of a nerve shredding few hours for you. Can you can you describe it? Yeah, we uh, we counted the. Five or six hours in the end, I've sort of lost track. So you're stuck in this hall that has no windows and is very brightly lit. And and of course, everyone's social distancing at the moment. And uh, yeah, we we counted everything and it was very close. So Labour, of course, asked for a recount and it's very close again. So they asked for another one. (laughs) And it it was very close again. And and they finally accepted on the third count. So with two recounts that uh, I had won by one vote. Blimey. And I mean, I, I guess when people were looking at the, the Hartlepool by-election, it was pretty clear the, uh, who, who had won. But I imagine when there's only one vote in it, it must be impossible to tell with the naked eye like who the victor is. So everyone's everything's being incredibly closely scrutinised. Yeah, I mean, when we saw the boxes open the night before, um, we thought we were losing. Uh, it's a three-member ward, so we were sort of right. Uh, Labour won two seats and, and I won the third one by a single vote. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a very close run thing. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, it wasn't that long ago that a Conservative in some parts of South Yorkshire was a, a relatively uncommon sight. Can, can you tell us a bit about your background and what got you into politics in the first place? Oh, I was one of those weird people who uh, sort of from being a child has been really interested in politics and in the news and, and what's going on in the world. So I'm probably not at all representative of either Rotherham Conservatives or local people from that point of view. Um, it's fair to say I'm a bit of a politics geek. Um, and from there, just just got involved. You know, it, it's very easy to get involved in local politics if you're interested in doing it for whichever party you, know, you, you turn up. And you you go to meetings and you knock on doors and do campaigning uh, and it all just goes from there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I suppose there have been a few other notable uh, conservatives from your part of the world. I know Lord Haig, William Haig, the uh, former leader of the Conservatives is from your neck of the woods. But was it was it relatively uh, unusual to see a, a fellow conservative sort of as you were, as you were growing up? Yeah, I think when I was a kid, uh, in a living in an ex-mining town, yeah, very rare. Uh, but that's all changed. I think through my lifetime, there has been a really dramatic change and, and lots of people have, have come across. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I think for a lot of observers that the Conservative success in, in Rotherham came a bit out of nowhere. I know there have been sort of boundary changes, haven't there? And obviously the last full elections were in 2016. So for people who aren't quite as familiar with Rotherham politics, can you just explain to us how uh, the Conservatives went from having no councillors at all, and I think your last councillor was in 2016, to 20 in, in, in one fell swoop? What was the sort of background there? Yeah, I mean, the, so the last council election in Rotherham was 2016, and it's really a different political world uh, in the last five years. You know, since the, the last council elections here, we've had two general elections, we've had a referendum, and we've had all kinds of other things going on. So, so yeah, it's it might seem dramatic in one election, and, and it is, but it's not sort of the only thing that's been going on. And I think probably one of the most notable things um, is in the general election, we did very, very well. Um, there are three constituencies that make up Rotherham Borough and the Conservatives won one of them. We won Rother Valley in 2019. And in the other two, we really dramatically slashed the Labour majorities. So it's not so much of a surprise to us. It's something that we've seen coming um, I think it's fair to say that before 2016, Labour had been losing support. And in that 2016 election, uh, UKIP did very well in Rotherham. And since then, sort of that, that move away from Labour has accelerated and people have come more to the Conservatives than to anybody else. And what do you put that down to? Is there any one, one specific factor? Oh, gosh, it's <laughs> no, <laughs> there's all kinds of things going on. I think it's a mixture of um, Labour. The, the sense is, is that Labour has moved further away from their traditional base. Um, there's, you know, the the whole Brexit thing is, is definitely a factor. And I think also that there's um, one of the things that's obviously held us back in the past has been the leftovers from from Thatcher and from the mines and, and from all that kind of thing. And we can't ignore that or pretend it didn't happen. But we are a new generation of conservatives um, and sort of with time and distance. I think, yeah, it, we're, we're a different organisation to, to what we were in the 80s. Yeah. And it's early days, of course, obviously you've only, uh, the election was only a few days ago, but have you and your fellow Conservatives had much of a discussion about what you're going to do with this newfound sort of uh, strength and power that you have within Rotherham Council and, and what are going to be the big issues you're going to be sort of pushing on and trying to make, make trouble about? Well, we, we've got two really big um, parts of the strategy. The, the first is just simply doing the work and, and getting things done in our each of our local patches, so in our wards, you know, fighting for our fair share of funding in our in our areas, um, all the basic things that really annoy people and affect their quality of life, like the fly tipping and the potholes and the parking and and all the the bread and butter issues of local politics. But then, as a group in Rotherham Council, we're going to be focusing very much on scrutiny, on holding the Labour administration to account, um, and when. Within that, we're, we're thinking mostly about um, both the finances side of things of Rotherham, which has been in a mess for quite a long time. So we're going to be fighting to get local people proper value for money um, with, with the council tax that they pay. And then the other thing that we know is 
continuing as an issue is the whole thing that, that Rotherham unfortunately now is famous for, which is the child sexual exploitation scandal. And we know that there are leftover issues from that, so we're going to be pushing very hard. What what kind of leftover issues from the, the, the child sexual exploitation scandal are we talking about? Yeah, so we, we hear from local people and from charities and NGOs that work in Rotherham that there are still instances of it carrying on. Um, and so we're really keen to get to the bottom of that and make sure that what the council is doing about it and with the police as well is not just, you know, paying lip service to the issue and, and, and acting like it's all over. Um, we know probably in a much smaller way that it, it's continuing. Um, but yeah, we, we've got our eyes on that and we're going to be pushing hard to make sure that it, it is fully and properly resolved. Yeah, that's interesting. And you, you're talking about sort of the, the issues that you're going to be focusing on and I mean I guess it's one of the things about local elections isn't it that uh you know the national pundits talk about you know the big themes and you know, do people like Keir Starmer do they like Boris Johnson what do they think of leveling up but actually a lot of the time it's to do with people want to talk to you about uh you know the, the hyper local issues and the fly tipping and the bins being collected and that kind of thing I mean what 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 came up most on the on the doorstep when you were out out campaigning yeah, I mean, the national stuff does play into it. That is important. And it does come into um, people's decision making. But people decide how to vote for all kinds of different reasons. So many different things. So there isn't, you know, a single thing. Um, on my patch, you know, will you will you help me build a fence around the football field is a thing, you know, will you help me with that scrap patch of land that keeps getting litter on it is, is a thing. Um, and then often the kind of feeling that people have been taken for granted by Labour and um, and they don't hear from them or speak to them. So just the fact that you're on their doorstep and you're accessible and they can talk to you about what's going on in their street um, is, you know, another factor. Yeah. And I mean, it's probably only, only fair that I uh, uh, put to you the, the Labour perspective on, on this, which is that um well it's it's funny actually because as we're talking there's a uh commons debate which is going to happen today that uh, uh alexander stafford the rather valley mp is uh is putting forward which is making similar points to you really about um what he he describes as the failings of the uh labor-led uh rather than council and when we put these to uh to, to labor in rather than they say that the problems uh, affecting Rotherham are to some extent a result of uh, you know, the, the many years of austerity that have come in under the Conservative government and it's all very well having these these one-off funds you know your towns fund and your leveling up fund which go to quite specific places around the country but actually there's no that's no substitute for proper funding for services and that's what's been missing in those last few years I mean what what do you what do you say to that? I mean, it's an easy way to abdicate all responsibility, isn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think it, it's fair to say that other councils around the country don't have the same problem or the same scale of problems that we do in Rotherham. And, and other parts of South Yorkshire even have not sort of, Labour has lo not lost as much ground because they've maybe been doing a little bit better in those areas. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a thing that politicians do, and I know people on my side do it too, but I really hate it when anyone does it, where it's passing the book. 
um and it's uh you know you're you're responsible for something and and that's on you that that's very much my point of view so i think it's fair to say that yeah the, the government maybe hasn't got everything right there are certain areas where maybe funding priorities haven't been right um i can't name any for you today um but overall uh yeah labor has been in charge of Rotherham council since it existed uh and yeah and so the failings are on them yeah and um obviously one of the big conservative slogans in the 2019 election where you, you did say well we're talking about leveling up and is that i mean you know it's a phrase that as a journalist i i find myself using quite a lot because uh, politicians say it a lot but I, I do sometimes wonder whether to what extent people uh regular people understand it or know about it i mean did it, it did, did it have much did, did that phrase did you hear that phrase coming up much on the doorstep when you were campaigning in 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 Huber Ward? And like, do people know what it means? Do you think? No, I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll be honest. No, I mean, very occasionally one of these political slogans cut through, and you hear it fle- reflected back to you on the doorstep. And the the Brexit referendum was a time where the slogans cut through and, and were said back to you on the doorstep. Uh, but this one, no. Uh, I think the the feeling behind it. Is a, is a thing, is an issue, and that does come up on the doorstep of people feeling like uh, maybe they haven't got quite a fair deal where they live. Uh, and here in Rotherham, we, we've, that has taken the form that we often hear about how money and investment is put into Rotherham Town Centre, but across the borough we have all of these small high streets in the small towns and villages, and, and they don't seem to really get anything. So, so yeah, the, the feeling behind it is there, but the slogan itself, no, absolutely not. No, no, fair enough. Well, and I mean, and again, talking more more generally, this is, a you know, in general, a good set of election results for the Conservatives in Rotherham, but elsewhere as well. I mean, do, do you get the sense that it's a large part of this is the fact that the country is feeling uh, you know, relatively optimistic because of the vaccine and, the, you know, the, the fact that we're finally coming out of this terrible period of pandemic um, and that's the reason for, you know, generally putting their faith in, a, in, in the Conservatives or... Is there a fear for you that that if when if things get difficult again, say if there's more restrictions imposed or if, uh, you know, austerity cuts have to be imposed to get the country's economy economy back, that you might that you might uh, not benefit from the same sort of uh, electoral advantages as, as as you are currently doing? It's an interesting one. I mean, I personally have knocked on a few thousand doors in the last two months and had a lot of conversations with people about all of these issues. And the single most regular thing that that comes up with regards to the pandemic is some kind of criticism of what Boris has done. You know, he was too slow locking down or he locked down too hard or whatever it is, some kind of criticism. And then it's finished with the, the, the line that I've heard so many times of, well, it's been a difficult situation though, hasn't it? And he tried his best and I don't think anyone else would have done better. So has the has the vaccine and the pandemic and, and all of those kinds of things and where we are now, has it benefited us? I mean, probably, yeah, but it's not a kind of blind support from the public for it. it it's quite a, a reasoned view that I've come across. It's quite balanced, um, and which I think is good. And you know, people do generally have quite balanced views, which I think is something they don't often get credit for. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right there. So uh, as a final point, um, Emily, uh, maybe it's a bit a weird question to ask you, given that you, you've only just become a councillor, but what, what are your own ambitions now? Are you, are you already looking to bigger and better things or are you just focusing on your your, your councillor work for, for the time being? No, I mean, we, we Conservatives here in Rotherham, we've got a huge job to do. I mean, we take it very seriously that people for the first time have put their faith in us at this election and we know that we can't take their support for granted and we've got a lot to prove, we've got a lot of work to do. So we're very much, as a group, personally and all of us in it are very, very focused on, on doing our best. Emily Barley is a new Conservative councillor for Hubert in Rotherham. Thank you very much for speaking to me. Thank you. So thank you for listening to Pod's Own Country this week. I've been Rob Parsons, the political editor. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on uh, Apple, uh, iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts or anywhere that you can get your podcasts. And we will see you next week. Thanks very much.